Welcome to the Dietitian Boss Podcast. I'm Libby Rothschild, creator of Dietitian Boss. After almost four years of sitting in my dimly lit, windowless clinical office, I had enough. I wanted to feel like my work mattered, so I did something about it. I created a program that empowers dietitians and nutritionists to create their own private practice from scratch and emboldens already established practitioners to think bigger. My method provides a step-by-step process to improve how you market yourself on social media so your presence can become far more profitable and help more people. Three signs of a dietitian boss. Lately, a lot of you have been asking me a common question, so I wanted to take it to the podcast and address it in a solo episode. You have been asking me, what are the signs, what are the common things that the company, the team, that I see among the most successful clients? And so I've broken it down into two different categories, those who are just starting and some of the traits I see among those dietitian bosses versus those who are in operation, right, who are already came to me successful or they went through the foundational framework in my society program, which is the foundational framework, and then they were able to qualify for executive, which is the high-level program that we offer for those who are operating in practice and looking for support to scale their business and hire help. So today's episode is all about the common traits among those who are the most successful. Growing up, my grandpa always used to tell me, he said, if you want to learn how to be successful, you should study the people who succeeded before you. And it sounds so simple, but he always used to tell me, read, you know, read those autobiographies, learn what they're doing, make sure you find out the facts and just repeat that. And so today's episode is dedicated to my grandpa because I will never forget that he gave me that advice growing up. All right. And my grandpa did help raise my brother and I growing up. So he is basically like a dad to me. And so sharing that with you makes me feel connected to you so you can learn more about me and my past. My grandpa grew up with eight siblings and he grew up poor. His family immigrated from Russia. Um, His dad spoke 12 languages. And when he was growing up, he sold pencil sets in elementary school to help his mom pay for rent. He grew up very, very poor and he became an entrepreneur and started writing loans and trustees and created a business for himself as an entrepreneur when he was an adult, but he grew up very poor as a first-generation immigrant from Russia. Okay, so thank you, Grandpa, for reminding me that the common traits among those who are most successful need to be studied and learned and honed in and reminded, and you could put these up on our wall, right? So I think it's important that we all have somewhat of a role model in our lives, and that we have an archetype of what that role model looks like so that we can strive to step into those shoes. Of course, you need your own identity, right? So you need to put your own spin on it, but you want to look at the people or person or categories of said person that inspire you. So now I'm going to share just a little bit about one of my role models. I have many, but I'm going to share just a couple. Maybe I'll do a separate episode on role models, but I want to get back to the connection between why you should study the traits of those to inspire you, what it means, 
to define a role model. And then I will get into the two categories I have today of the three most successful signs of somebody who's starting and somebody who is operating and scaling in her private practice as a dietitian boss. So I did a YouTube video before about one of my role models and I, I could have, maybe I could have touched on it a little bit deeper, but I can't remember. I'm going to have to look up what the title is called. Something about, I think seven reasons why how to be a better coach. That's exactly what it was called on YouTube. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me because I've produced over 50 videos now. So I can't remember all the titles at, off, the, off the top of my head. But the video that I produced was something about how to be a better coach as a dietitian. And I talked about one of my role models and that's Dr. Marion Nessel. So for those of you that don't know who she is, Dr. Marion Nessel created the master's program called Food Studies at NYU. And she is the creator of Food Politics. It's a blog. She's written dozens of books. She's very well known as a nutritionist in facilitating discussions about food policy, food politics. And she's a pioneer. She's done really magnificent work. And I actually became a dietitian because of her. I picked up her book, Food Politics, on a plane where I was uh, studying in Arizona, University of Arizona for my undergrad. And I was flying back home to LA and I started reading her book when I was an undergrad. It must've been like 19 or something, 20. I don't remember, 19, I think. And I, I just felt so moved by her book and I thought it was important. And I thought she was innovative. I thought she was a disruptor in the industry and she inspired me to pursue nutrition. I took a nutrition course and I thought it was fun. And I thought that it was like, I love the concept of giving back. And I thought, wow, there's so many facets, right? Nutrition is so multifaceted. And I loved how Dr. Mary Nessel challenged the system, right? And it turns out that she's been one of my biggest role models. I actually met and interviewed her, filmed a, a couple of videos when I very, very first started my business from my clinical office. And it's funny to look back and think about that because I wasn't as focused and I asked her really banal questions and she must've been perhaps annoyed. I really could have been a better interviewer, but when I look back, I'm proud I got started. And I'll never forget when we were emailing back and forth and I asked her if I could interview her in our office at NYU. And I said, well, you know, Dr. Nessel, what time can I you know, come in? What about in the morning, right? Cause I, we're trying to figure out a, a logistical time for me to drop by an office and, and record her. And she said, mornings are for writing. And I love that. I love that she set that boundary, meaning that there was no way I could come in the morning. I could only come in the afternoon or later because she had a process I mean, as an author. And I totally respect that. And I'll never forget that. So I wanted to share that with you. Being that she's my role model. And again, you can check out the YouTube video where I mention her about ways to be a better coach as a dietitian on YouTube. I'll try to link that in the notes here. She's a role model because she's a disruptor, because she challenges the system because she's done something innovative and she really leveraged social media to talk about food politics. I mean, a decade or so ago. So she's truly innovative in all facets in the content she talked about and in the medium of using social media, right? A blog and Twitter to get her message across. So that being said, uh, role models are important and we all want to think about who is our role model and why are they our role model. And I think it's important that we as dietitian bosses role model for each other and that we role model for the future generation of dietitians. And it, I know a lot of you role model for people in your specialty, right? So there are clients that I've got current and past that role model for other clients in the weight loss space, right? Or in the food freedom space or in the performance space. And that's beautiful, right? And I appreciate that. And it's so nice to see that. 
What would be even better and more instrumental is if we could role model across specialties. Because even though we might not agree, let's say that you are a weight neutral practitioner, you can be inspired by a weight loss practitioner, even if you don't agree with her philosophy, because you know that she's creating a space and she's helping people in her own right and for what feels aligned with her. And if that message can get across, I think that that's, that's really beautiful. And I think that we can all get together and help our clients achieve the various health outcomes that they have, which are dynamic, right? Health outcomes that people want to achieve are very, quite varied. Therefore, the appropriate expertise and specialties that we need to employ as dietitians need to be varied to match the requirements and demands of consumers. And so if we can appreciate that outside of ourselves and outside of our philosophy and understand that because consumers are unique, we need a unique set of people who are out there able to help, that can help us strengthen one another. And that does kind of fit into a higher level sign or trait that I find in those operating their practice who are able to really support one another. So we'll get there in a minute. Let me go in order. For the dietitians just starting out, the three most common traits or signs that I see would be number one, you're motivated and inspired by like-minded dietitian bosses. Number two, you love helping people. And number three, you want more, maybe more than clinical, maybe more than a traditional model. So let me break those down a little bit more. When I say motivated and inspired by like-minded bosses, at this point, when you're new, meaning you haven't made money yet, or you don't have a process on social that works consistently, typically you are going to be more inspired by those who are similar to you, right? So at that beginning stage of starting your business, you're probably going to be, if you're a weight neutral uh, dietitian, you're probably going to be inspired mostly by other weight neutral dietitians, not necessarily by dietitians as a whole. And that comes in later, right? When you are in operation as a private practitioner, you're growth mindset develops over time and you're able to appreciate those outside of your philosophy later, but typically at the beginning, like attracts like. And so I've noticed that one of the traits is you are in fact motivated and inspired and you've got a mini role model, right? And typically my clients find my other clients role models and my clients current and past who teach in my program, who guest host on this podcast who are featured on my social media feed, those are role models, right? And we're all role modeling for each other, which is beautiful. So the second trait is, it's pretty simple. And I think it's why most of us became dietitians is at the beginning stage, you have to love helping people. Now, this can be a pretty heavy topic because helping people doesn't mean you have to privately coach them, right? You might, that, that's not true. You can help people in a very different ways. You can help people by creating recipes and by doing brand sponsorships. So there are direct and indirect ways to help people. But if you zoom out for a second, the common theme of of having that joy and love and aspiration to change people and transform them is a common ingredient that I see at the beginning stages of successful dietitians or dietitians on their path towards becoming a dietitian boss. The last trait is you got to want more. So if you're going to be successful and start a private practice, you have to have that hunger inside of you. You have to want more than what you're offered in the clinical setting or in any traditional model. So those are the three elements of success. When you do want more and you have that drive to help people, 
And you feel motivated to know that there are people just like you, right? There are fellow students starting their private practice. There are people in you know, Canada and Malaysia and all across the country, dietitian bosses are getting started, right? That can make you feel that there are people just like you out there who are like-minded. So those are the three aspects at the beginning. Now, when you continue to hone in on these three aspects, you know, finding that motivation, having the drive to want more, and truly finding joy in helping people, you're going to be more motivated to post regularly, to show your face, to define your message, to engage in conversations with people in your market, and then have sales conversations and enroll people effectively into your services, run people through your online program that, you know, I help you set up step by step. So once those aspects, once those, that, that checklist is complete, right? And you've progressed from a foundational dietitian boss in the society program, and you're ready for a higher level, here are the four things that I see it commonly in the women in my executive program, meaning those who are operating their practice. Number one is consistency. Arguably, that is super, super important. And consistency doesn't come without a strong mindset. So what I mean by strong mindset is a growth oriented mindset. So you see failures as an opportunity, right? So you're able to shift and transform your mindset from seeing, oh, I you know, wasn't able to close that sales call, right? I, I thought that person would purchase and they didn't. You're able to identify an aspect of that, something similar to that, and then change your vision or your perspective and say, I'm so grateful that my you know, work and my content strategy got somebody on a sales call and that indicates them closer to getting more people on a sales call. So that transformative mindset into a growth oriented mindset is really going to help set you apart and help you be consistent because consistency is king. Supporting colleagues is imperative at the executive level. And again, executive meaning you're operating your practice and looking to scale, right? You're looking to really level up what you're doing, get help and help more people set bigger goals, you know, meaning that your, your biggest problem is not getting clients anymore. Your concern at this point would be how do you create offers and advance your offer to make sense to continue supporting your customers, right? And so supporting your colleagues at this level is more about understanding and appreciating the differences in different philosophies. And so again, at first, when you're in that foundational level in society, that's my beginner program, you're motivated by people who are just like you, right? So another food freedom practitioner, wonderful. But at the executive level, you're able to look a little bit more critically and say, wow, this person is so different than me. We don't have the same philosophy and I still respect her. And that when you're able to do that, that's a sign of a strengthened mindset. And again, it truly supports what consumers need because consumers are not one. They're not one size fits all. And so when you're able to really grasp that at a higher level and congratulate your colleagues, support their progress, knowing that they practice something that you don't, or that you know, maybe isn't an exact alignment, if you can still step back and just appreciate them, that is a sign of a very successful operating practitioner. Focusing on doubling down on marketing is really important at the executive level because as you grow and scale, you're going to need to employ different tactics or hone in on what you're doing now. So if you don't have an email list, you need to start one. If you do, you're going to need to leverage that. You need to have a strategy for list building. You don't want to expand social platforms, double down on what's already working. And so all of those aspects of advanced marketing, once you've mastered one platform, 
are important at the executive level because you're really focusing on growth. The last trait I see is understanding the 80-20 rule, which is a very difficult concept for many of you to grasp. And we talk about this every week in the executive program, right, with our clients. And what the 80-20 rule means, it's the law of vital few, and it means that 20% of your inputs are gonna equal 80% of the results. And what that means, the law of vital few, is that not all of your efforts are created equal. And what we do in the program, and we do this at every level, but it's, it's, we specifically talk about it more in depth in the executive program, is identifying what aspect of your efforts is paying off the most. So let me give you an example. When it comes to content, not all content is created equal. So it's your job. And I, I show you how. I have this system to help give you the you know, steps you need to improve the process. But it, you got to identify what are you doing that's most effective, that's driving more website clicks, that's getting more people to apply, that's getting more interest. When you can identify what aspects are working the best, then you're going to focus more on those aspects or that 20%. And so then what you're doing is you're constantly understanding and reinforcing the concept that not all of your efforts are equal. And when you focus and double down on the efforts that get you the most results, you will become a more profitable practitioner and you will, well, you'll be leading more towards profitability because you're going to be focusing on higher revenue generating tasks. For example, you spending time clearing out your inbox and scheduling your own posts on social media once you're you know, an operating practitioner is not the best use of your time. That's not going to give you the same payoff as you conducting a sales conversation or you, you know, creating a webinar right? Which is going to help you reach more people. So we have regular conversations about what it means to look at your time and tasks and identify which aspects of your tasks are contributing the most to the bottom line of your business. And that conversation funnels beautifully into helping you hire help and really getting virtual assistance and leveraging help in your business staffing, whether it's an, an assistant to help you with admin, someone to help you with design, or you know, many of my clients hire people to help them with coaching or staff members. So employing any of those tactics in your business is going to be more effective when you're able to see what aspect of your time do you need to alleviate or is not contributing to the best result, the bottom line of your business. And then we work together to come up with a plan. So I'm going to recap what the top three signs are of the most successful dietitian boss starting out, and then what I see the most successful dietitian bosses advance in the executive program. So again, the foundational would be motivated and inspired by like-minded dietitian bosses, the need and desire to help other people, and wanting more than what's offered in the traditional clinical model. As you advance in the executive program and you're an operating practitioner, what's most important is consistency, supporting colleagues who have different perspectives and philosophies than your own, doubling down on marketing, and finally seeing your time as not all being created as equal and employing the 80-20 rule, meaning the law of vital few. And then when you employ that rule strategically with the support of my staff and I, you're able to hire help in a process-oriented approach that's going to help you do what matters most 
help grow the business faster so that you can find satisfaction and live a life of joy and design the practice of your dreams, make the money that you want, live the flexibility and take a vacation without checking your phone. And guess what? My clients do that. Britton just talked about taking a vacation and separating herself from her work because she's able to employ the 820 rule. So make sure to check out her episode, listen to her interview because she is an executive dietitian boss who in fact checks these boxes and role models for you. If you are inspired by this episode, click subscribe so we can fill your library with encouragement each week. Every day, your potential clients are searching online for professionals like you with the hopes of finding the right person who can make a genuine impact on their well-being and life. Join my group coaching program and follow the Dietitian Boss Method. You will be surrounded by other amazing dietitian bosses from around the world who will be there to cheer you on, support you, give you feedback, and provide you a spark for new ideas, all while following the proven dietitian boss method. You will be able to share your successes and struggles with people who get it. Book a call with my team to learn how you can become your own boss.